welcome back everyone to another episode of the numbers don't lie where we go behind the electioneering and put the numbers back where they belong front and center uh we're doing two episodes this week as we inch closer to the voting d-day on 8th of may and um frankly because we can't you know (laughs) um in this episode we're taking a closer look at everyone's favorite politician whether you love him or hate him commander-in-chief of the economic freedom fighters julius malema and his nascent party that has really been taking the uh, country by storm for what the last five years really Um, We are joined by resident data analyst Paul Berkowitz, director of EDGES, and Sunday Times journalist Singisa Mumvumvu, who has been on top of the moving and shaking going on in the party. Welcome, guys. Um, so before we get stuck in, I actually just want to de- declare a position here. I'm actually quite a fan of Malema, to be honest. Um, I, I, you know, I won't vote for him, but yeah. uh, but, I, but I appreciate his place in South African politics. Um, he's a great character. He's social. Um, he's vocal. He challenges positions. I mean, I mean, I mean, the EFF's approach is unashamedly status and authoritarian. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't again. He wouldn't get my vote, but I don't think SA politics would be anywhere near um, what they are today without him and without. His party. Um, I think he's really shooken some things up nicely. Um, so yeah, that's that's my disclaimer. Just want to put that out there. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's our number one f- yeah. favorite as well. Um, so Paul, I don't know if you just want to kick off and give us some numbers as to where the EFF is um, nationally. We haven't had a lot of numbers because, as you said, Scott, the EFF was born in 2014. The parties contested two general elections, the 2014 national provincial elections, the 2016 municipal elections, and a whole number of by-elections since 2016. So that's what we know. That's the hard polling election numbers that we have. And uh, Zingisa will correct me if I'm wrong. I think the EFF polled around 6 7% 2014. Yeah. I need to get more accurate than that. And did, um, fairly interestingly, in the 2016 election, it's not strictly comparable, but all signs from the voting point to growth in the EFF. And all the polls, most of the polls that we've had, I can't think of anyone which has got the EFF shrinking. The question that we have is not whether the EFF is growing, but by how much, based on everything we've we've got. And my guess, personally, I'll put my head on the block, but it's going to be a broad range because yeah. I need to <laughs> put my head on the block while I cover my behind, is between 10 and 16%. And might even be closer to 16 than to 10. Okay. On strong. a good day. If every, with the tailwind. Strong position. Um, Zangisa, what do you expect to, to see from the EFF in these nationals? Yeah, well, definitely. Um, um, I expect more or less the same. Uh, there's definitely no doubt. I guess, I mean, there's, I don't believe there's any same person who would think that the EFF is going to shrink. You know, uh, there's no doubt that they're going to, you know, to grow uh, personally. I mean, I'm not a numbers guy, unlike my brother. Um, but I, I believe that at least they will double their support from six. I believe they would get to 12 percent. Uh, me, I give them between 12 and 15, which is not uh, far-fetched uh, prediction, uh, yeah. you know. So I, I think that that's that's how they are going to fare in these elections. And I mean, they, they've they've really done what even this election campaign uh, better than anyone, if I may put it that way. So. I mean, while we can expect the EFF won't be making any presidential presidential position, um, we and we are ex- expecting some growth, quite significant growth, according to, according to the two of you. But uh, so, are we looking at a kingmaker scenario? Um, what what are in terms of a coalition co- coalition aspect? What are we looking at there? I think Gauteng very likely. Again, I'm not. Let me not 
We are here for the numbers. Okay, yeah. so looking at the polls and based on the modeling and all these things, we're just in Gauteng. And last time in 2014, the ANC was in the high 50s, the low 50s, 50, yes. about 54. And the DA was around 30%. This time, there is a good chance of the ANC falling below 50%. I think it's more likely than not. But still remaining the party with the plurality, still being in first place, DA second place, EFF third place. In my opinion, there's very few scenarios where the ANC plus the EFF will not be more than 50%. Yeah, right. I mean, that, that kind of raises my next issue. Because I mean, if we do see the, the ANC possibly dipping below 50%, then suddenly we've got a situation where, one, we have to ask the question, okay, what does Malema want? Because from that, he'll probably be looking at some key ministerial positions. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that's what I believe as well, uh, Scott, that this time around, the stakes are going to be actually higher than they were uh, in 20. 16 local government elections in terms of what the EFF will want. I mean, you, you uh, we've had Julius Manima throughout the campaign. He's been very consistent in saying that this time around, they believe that they they are ready to get into government. Uh, of course, it spins it that back in the days, they didn't want to, you know, swim into the deep end, you know, not being uh, understanding the dynamics. But now they seem to be ready. I mean, even today when we went to Ntuzi was saying that one of their first priorities after the elections is to go and fix, that's the word that he used to fix the situation in Swanee where he said there was no talent, he said the only AFF has talent, so it is a clear indication that in Swanee for starters, they are going back there, probably wrestled away from the DA to the ANC, I don't know what's going to happen, but surely they will want something big, maybe they want uh, positions in the mayoral committee or the mayorship itself you, you never know, so surely if Gauteng ends up being hung they may even want bigger things like ministers, uh, you know, in, 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 in the national executive, which I think is going to be very tough because the ANC itself internally this fights as to how many people will make it to the executive. But Zingis, can you see, for example, Dalim Pofu as Minister of Justice and Constitutional Democracy? Well, <laughs> for example, yeah. a scenario. Well, uh, educationally, he's qualified. Yes. You know, he is qualified. I, I think he would, he would actually... I mean, actually, I think you're making quite a perfect example. I think he would make it. But as I say, for political reasons, I don't think the ANC would agree to such no. demands. I mean, for instance, if they say they want three ministries and we have a cabinet that's reduced, as we expect, and the ANC comrades also want jobs, I think it's going to be very tough. Uh, but but it's also a question of control, political control, but also financial control. control absolutely. What we gloss over a little bit, as you said quite rightly, in 2016, is that the stakes were a lot lower, except um, and let's put Nelson Mandela Bay on the side for a moment, just talk about budgets and control of the money, that between uh, City of Johannesburg and City of Tswane, we are talking about tens of billions of rands, but if we look at Gauteng province and we look at um, whole national ministries we're probably talking hundreds of, mil- of billions of rands so there is that that would be interesting. I mean let's talk about um, uh, bring back to the votes a little bit as well in terms of the like the labor union issue, for example, in terms of EFF support. I mean, the labor unions the last few months have been a little bit shaky. They've made clear sort of breakouts from the ANC in terms of in terms of. I mean, that alliance has been dead for a while, but it's it's kind of been officialized at this stage. Is the EFF taking those votes? I mean, how how are they talking to that to that sort of constituency? 
looking at the numbers, it's difficult to say 100% that these voters went from A to B because new voters are added in areas all the time and old voters pass away and people migrate from province to province. And new people register who didn't register before and sometimes... So there's a lot of things that happen and we don't always have all the details. What it seems to me, the broad trends, we can talk the bigger versus the smaller trends, is that the... The uh, parties like the EFF, even including COPE, if we still, we were talking about a bit earlier, but EFF, COPE, Socialist Revolutionary Workers Party, uh, evidence from Metsi Maholo in the by-election, when the SACP took three seats, they took them from the ANC. The EFF wasn't hurt. So at the moment, there's enough of the ANC to go around to other parties. Maybe not the DA so much, because we've we've talked about that early in the week. But uh, short answer, too late. Uh, they're not really competing directly, not mainly. Mm. Not mainly, but but I think, uh, you know, they may benefit from the chaos that you, Scott, correctly articulated in terms of the alliance that is in shambles, uh, to, to, to say the least. You know, and I think although the EFF is not aligned to any official union, but in t- uh, the, the, some of the things that they've advanced and lobbied for for workers in uh, the city of Joburg, we had yesterday an announcement that they are insourcing Mm. A thousand further security guards on top of thousands that they've done mm. in the past. The same is being done in Swane, same has been done in Esmandela Bay, and the EFF were at the forefront of championing those uh, struggles. So, and even before that, the EFF put pause on Mayor Mashaba's uh, intention to break up, pick it up, absolutely, and to privatize parts of it. Yes, and, and you see, those are tangible things that they can prove to say that this is what we've done. If you give us a, f- a bigger mandate, we will do this. Well, in fact, Julius was saying in Alex uh, this week on uh, Workers' Day that we need a bigger mandate to take these small things that we're doing in municipalities to a provincial level. So I guess with those uh, sort of things, although they don't have a, an actual constituency that is organized, but the things that they can show can end them some few votes here and there in terms of uh, the workers' space. Um, so concerning the provincial levels, for example, I mean, the Northwest, Limpopo and Khalteng, do you have any sort of numbers you can you can bring in terms of that EFF is growing there I think it was the um was the Institute of Race Relations was uh, gave, gave you some details in the last couple of weeks in terms of their growth and where they've been going, or was it Ipsos, one of the two? I think it would have been Ipsos, Scott, because they, well, their the polling or the results are designed sort of more as a province-by-province province mm-hmm. story. But here's a, th- a few things we know that are true which are interesting, a few pieces in the puzzle, so everyone can scratch their heads with me. Um, we looked at results, for example, in the Tembisa Township from the 20. 20- 14 national provincial elections. Tembisa is in Ikuruleni, but it's right on the border of city of Joburg and city of Tswane. It's in the northwest part. It's right to the west. In the, the north and easternmost part of Joburg is uh, Ivory City, and then it's Tswane to the north. In Tembisa, it's a big place, and it's it's heterogeneous. There, there are certain wards where the EFF did well. When I say well, comparatively well, 20, 25, 30% of the vote. There were certain wards where the EFF only got 10%, even though, let's say, across the province, I think it did quite well. It, it, it overachieved the 6%. It achieved, I think it was 10 or 12%. Yes. But there were certain wards where it got 20%. 
Now, at the time, we looked at a correlation between some of the demographics from the census, ward by ward, and there was a good correlation between the EFF's performance and the percentage of people living in that ward whose home language was a Bantu language, meaning including Susutu, but mostly Setswana and Sibedi. The working theory is that people are first-generation migra- um, economic migrants, mainly from Limpopo, but also from northwest, northwest more into Tswane. Mm-hmm. Limpopo, what people didn't know, and this was borne out by Statsisa's numbers, is that after internal migration from Eastern Cape to Western Cape, the biggest migration is from Limpopo to Gauteng. Mm-hmm. At the time, and it's very, you can understand it's very sensitive and contentious to make that kind of link because we, we want to describe it in a way that says this was the picture now and uh, avoid any kind of reductionist analysis that because people came from this area they'll always support. The evidence yeah. shows, the, the by-election evidence shows that the FF has been growing broadly, that they've been actually quite smart in how they've targeted their growth. They know that KZN, for example, is the second biggest voting population, second biggest number of seats. They got limited success in 2016, a couple of seats here and there in the council, but they, they knew they could grow there. They've been targeting Free State as well. The What else did I want to say? All the other polling evidence we have shows that the EFF is going to grow the most, but um, one that came out, I think, yesterday from the News24's internal polling showed that among youth voters, first time and, and young voters, we, we've talked about this group a lot, EFF is the most appealing, which we suspected, but the polling is supporting that. So the biggest pool in new voters, the, the EFF is the party most likely, according to the research and the polling, to take votes from the ANC. The EFF is most likely to get the biggest chunk of new voters, young voters, first time voters. Which is obviously quite essential. I mean, if, if they're the only ones really attracting youth voters, that says a lot for the future, possible future of the, the country. Absolutely, but you see the other challenge, Scott, is that uh, those new voters, are they really going to vote? I mean, because generally there's apathy when it comes to this voting business as far as sure. young people are concerned. Uh, that's what a lot of researchers show. I mean, um, so they, they register, they are there, but mostly, most of them don't turn out on voting day, which may be detrimental to the potential growth of the FF. I mean, indeed, that's the most appealing uh, part right now to most young people, but they don't really, yeah, we don't really have a youth that is participating in democracy, I think. I don't know. Um, I would really like to see an extensive study as to why, the, to answer the why question, but because, I mean, as we say, the EFF is appealing to them, they love the EFF, but why would then they not uh, come out and vote on voting day? I had a discussion about that this yeah. morning, Zingis. Yeah. I was having a business breakfast with a colleague, but who's also a friend. And uh, she said to me, uh, she has another friend who's a, a teacher or maybe works with younger people and asked, why don't you want to vote? And they just didn't see the point. And we started to talk, now we're drifting a bit with my ADD brain, yeah. <laughs> about the anti-vaxxers, about yeah. why people don't want to vaccinate anymore. And it's because they've never seen the horrors of measles or polio. You know, it was a generation ago. They can't conceive of it. And I think part of the problem is the youth can't conceive of a time when they didn't have a vote and they haven't be learned the story in as much detail of the enormous sacrifice and blood that was spilled to, to get the franchise universally. 
so, you know, they have that luxury. But it is a democracy. Uh, forcing people to vote is as bad as forcing them to not vote. Yeah. Not not as bad, maybe, but it's also bad. But you see that um, complacency in a generation down the line. You see that all around the world as well. You see that you saw that in Eastern Europe uh, after the fall of communism, 25 years out down the line, the youth today are like, oh, you know, they just want to buy stuff. You know, they just want to <laughs> just want to have some fun. They don't really understand where they came from to get to where the consumerism level they're, they're at. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, concerning the youth vote, I mean, you look at the seven pillars of, of the EFF's manifesto. I mean, uh, EWC, a big one, expropriation of land without compensation, a big one, nationalization, um, much bigger, much bigger state, um, free quality and education obviously speaks to the youth, even though it's kind of the upside down. It should be the the education is from grassroots up, not tertiary level. Um, EWC is a big one simply because they've made a big theater of it the last year or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone, I think anyone that actually reads the Constitution understands that you don't technically need to change the Constitution to, to start a process of EWC. I mean, it's the, the means to do it has been there for since the Constitution was made. Um, but nevertheless, the, the theater of the, the, around that development has kind of like really attracted lots of traction in the country. I mean, you can't deny the fact that you know, South Africa as a country, as a nation, needs that sense of justice isn't there yet. It, it, it's not It's not there. And one way to achieve that is seeing some real visible action around expropriation. I'm, I'm kind of like, I would support expropriation under certain cer- certain circumstances. I think it's very valid. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of attracting that youth fate and taking the, changing the country's parliament and, you know, changing that, having that energy go, and, go in parliament, I think EFA is the only guys that are going to do it. And it's, I'm not surprised to learn about these numbers today in terms of like the only the only uh, political party that's growing to any real to any real extent mm. you see uh, EFF has got a lot of uh, good things uh, you know good policies but with that expropriation of land without compensation I, I think the actualist hill for the country as a whole if we do go ahead with that uh, the how question you know uh, the EFF are quite clear that uh, all land must be nationalized People must apply, uh, you know, through the state licensing to use the land and state reasons. I'm not so comfortable with that kind of an arrangement, Scott. And this comes from experience of what happens when government is in charge of anything. It's not like our government has done itself any favor in terms of the small things that they handle. Imagine now you're handling the entire landscape of of the country. That whole process is dependent on the state. I I don't see that process working uh, in favor of the poor and marginalized in the main. I would think it's still a process that would end up favoring the same people who had the land or the so-called elite, so to speak. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of get into Paul a little bit, but um, around the... Um you know, if EFF, if EFF was in charge of government, would they roll this out? And it kind of raises the question around populism. I think Malema, he's not a stupid person. He knows very well, like, how to do certain things he wants to do. I mean, he's, he's riding the wave of of this sort of uh, discontentment in the country, which is as a smart, any smart politician probably would. But, I mean, you know, I don't know, Paul, moving forward, it's out of, out of the numbers game a little bit. But, I mean, do you see any way of this actually paint a scenario of, of how EFF would possibly run the country and what what they would be able to change if they if they were oh okay this is nice this is fun scenario planning not content to just talk the numbers <laughs> i'm gonna be sort of boring and vague and shoo out in a bit big picture I, I don't know how the eff would tackle 
the big issues that it is fighting for. The DA has seen that it's easier to be in opposition than to be in government yes. and to be judged on what you <laughs> actually do. Yeah. So there's that. That's a bit down the road. You know the old joke. I guess we're talking about the FF could apply to the DA in some cases, although they've had successes. But you know the dog chases the car. But what will it do if it catches it? It can't drive. Well, we'll see. Can the can the dog drive the car? <laughs> What we've talked about is true, that there is apathy among the youth. Added to that, registration in general is low among the youth. It's not always apathy. It's just because as you get older, you get more chances to register. The IEC has had a lot of responsibilities and and resources. It's devoted to registering full addresses as per the Concord ruling that said it had to after the 2016 election. It's taken a lot of resources. It's only had one big registration weekend. We know that registration has been lower. Could be apathy. We'll know after the elections whether it was more apathy or whether the youth were more captured by the EFF and then the ANC and the DA, because we will have some sense of that from the IEC. But I think the EFF has been clever. I'll, I'll tell you what I mean. If we go back to the polling and what we know, let's say, from the Zuma years, and, and I would say, roughly speaking, before 2007 and after 2017. So we haven't had a lot of time to look at the post-Zuma years. But the, the DA and the EFF did very well in 2016. We know from the data that women voters were turned off by Zuma, and it was easier for opposition parties to do well. But with Zuma and the EFF did a lot. Whether or not the policies may or may not work, the EFF captured the imagination. You could call it with their spectacle, but, you know, um, Zupta must fall, give back the money is more sexy and more appealing and sticks more in the conscious and the subconscious than the DA saying, here is a stack of uh, papers. These represent the court cases that we worked on in a quiet, efficient and boring way and one. That's the way people are. And it's not a dig at South Africans. That's part of the reason Trump won, because he's more exciting. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Since the... NASREC conference, or even a bit before, I've seen more evidence, maybe I'm biased, that the EFF has rolled with the punches better than the DA. The EFF, from what I can see, has done more constituency building. Okay, they're coming off a low base, so they had more to do. The EFF has done more, uh, Zingisa, you'll tell me what's the technical name, I can't remember, but they've had um, um, industry and sector meetings with representatives, um, arts and culture, private security, I I don't know what the, 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 it's not a town hall because it was more of a Bosparato and Lachotla. Yeah, yeah. And they've been seen to be doing more stuff. We've talked about their successes in influencing, let's say, the DA-led government of Herman Mashaba in the metro. Um, I just think they're doing a lot more right. We can talk about what they're doing wrong, but their main competition at the moment is the DA and the ANC. And if that was just all they had to face and we don't have to worry about the smaller parties, they would do so well. Absolutely. Thank you. So any closing comments on that? Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I agree with Paul that I, I, I believe, in fact, the EFF's, you know, um, unfortunate situation is these other small parties that are going to get 100,000 votes here and there. Otherwise, if it was only these three, uh, you know, we, we would be far. But the EFF has really changed the game, Scott. I mean, as you were mm-hmm. saying in your opening comments, so many things wouldn't be where we are. Probably would be worse off as a country. You know, we love or hate them. Without the EFF, 
of, uh, you know, that was formed in 2013, uh, if they had never come into existence, probably our country would in, be in complete abyss by now. So it's, it's, it's quite an important player in our mm. body politic. And it would be interesting and well for the survival of South African politics for them to grow and, and you know, uh, compete and, and, and play a bigger role in, in that space. Absolutely. I mean, maybe we would see a three-party state moving forward as opposed to the normal duopoly as, as it normally comes out, you know? Absolutely. You know, First for planet Earth, maybe? <laughs> well, the, the ebb and flow, right? The, the UK, you could say the Lib Dems did well then and then they didn't do well. I find it interesting, and we haven't talked about this yet uh, as a podcast, the sort of fracturing versus consolidation of the vote. We don't have the, we've talked about, we don't have these thresholds that other countries have. You, you know, if you get a quarter of a percent or even a little bit less, like a fifth of a percent, like the PAC, you can get a seat. You you don't have to be this high to go on the right. You, um, in other countries, you need to get a minimum percent of the vote overall. So there's ebb and flow, but the top three have always between them had around 90%. First it was IFP or NNP, or then it was COPE, and now it's EFF. Hmm. And we're all agreeing that the EFF is like not going to be a one election trick, right? Like the like COPE, or like the IFP, which continues to decline, or even like the ID. Well, the ID were there for two elections, but... Cool. Well, thanks, guys. That's about all we have time for. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the other side of these uh, elections. Thanks to Pons and Giza for the time, and thanks for the listeners for listening. Um, if you guys haven't yet, check out our dedicated dedicated election section on timeslive.co.za. There's a little election tab on the top. I'm sure you'll find it. Um, and you, this podcast will be there, and you can be able to listen to previous episodes as well, as not to mention the Sunday Times Politics Weekly will be lingering there. And, um, yeah, thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Sure. Listening to Final Take, a multimedia live production from the Tissot Blackstock Group, publishers of the Sunday Times, Business Day, and Financial Mail.